Hello, and welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a podcast about the new Star Trek Discovery TV series by two moms who write about autism and who happen to also be Star Trek fans. Together, we talk about the new series, how it relates to previous versions of Star Trek, and any autism issues that we happen to see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is my co-host, Vicki. Hey, this is Vicki. Together, we are Moms Going Boldly. We are discussing the episode, Magic, to make the sanest man go mad. The discovery is caught in a time loop, destroyed over and over again in fiery explosions. So we're talking today about an episode entitled, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, or as I'm calling it in my head, Disco Inferno. <laughs> Yeah. This is a time loop story, and we haven't seen a time loop story like this since The Next Generation's Cause and Effect. Do you remember that one? Yes. Did you like that one? I'm not a great fan of the time loop stories on any show, <laughs> because we're watching the same thing over and over and over. But at least this one, they weren't showing us the same scene. Yes. And I remember in the Next Generation episode, I think Jonathan Frakes was directing that one. And so he was trying to make each scene differently by coming at it from different angles. Yeah. Like the very last time they went through the scene in, in the lounge, you know, where they're meeting area, they, he had the camera positioned overhead. Mm -hmm. I always appreciated how every single explosion of the Enterprise was different. What we have here in this episode, another time loop story, and you're right, it's really wonderfully done because you're really not seeing the same scenes over and over again, even though right. that's the crux of the story. So we start the story off with Michael Burnham doing a personal log and talking about how she's starting to fit in and how Tilly is her friend. Yeah. And she finds Tyler intriguing especially after what all that he suffered, he has such dignity and kindness. You know, it's very interesting thinking about our theory that Tyler is Vok and to have this Klingon exuding dignity and kindness. Right. Is that a lot of work for him? <laughs> then after the uh, personal log entry, which is a really good, it's a voiceover, it's your exposition kind of placing us as to how things are going on Discovery up to this point. And then we go to a party. Yeah. Where they're playing the Bee Gees. Where they're playing Staying Alive. <laughs> on 36, they're still playing the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> and they still have, you know, laser, laser show yeah. lights. It was very familiar as a party. Yeah. My favorite part of that scene is when Tilly asks Michael Burnham, how, how does he compare to your other boyfriends? <laughs> <laughs> and we know full well she's never had a boyfriend. Right. And I thought she did right. a lovely job dodging the question. Now, Tilly seems to be much more socially adept here at this moment uh, than she has before, but she could be just putting on the mask for the moment. Yeah. And then... After that, Tilly is starting to intimate that there's something going on between Tyler and Michael Burnham, and she's encouraging this, and Michael Burnham is confused. And then just as Tyler comes over with the intent of asking Michael Burnham to dance, 
They're both called to the bridge to rescue an endangered space whale. So they beam the space whale into a cargo bay because that's what they're required to do to protect the endangered whale. And Harry Mudd comes out of the space whale's mouth like Jonah and starts blowing people away. And we start the time loop because Harry Mudd has the ability to reset time and he's, and he's there to find out what the secret of discovery is. And after this, we're essentially going through loop after loop after loop, which ends, it's a 30-minute loop, which ends in the destruction of the discovery in a fiery inferno. Every time, right? Every time. <laughs> and the only one who's not affected is our friend Lieutenant Stamets. Yes. Who, because of his experience with the spore drive, exists outside of the space-time continuum. And how come we didn't know this before? I'm not sure. He might not have known it until it started happening. I mean, we did sort of know it because we saw his reflection in the mirror after he'd already left the mirror, so... That's that's a a really good... I'm not sure. He certainly adapted to that knowledge really quickly <laughs> rather quickly yeah it's up to lieutenant lieutenant stamets to try to corral the right people to stop the time loop from completing and having the ship destroyed you you can tell that he's been through several loops before he starts to pinpoint the right people to help and those right people are michael burnham and ash tyler because michael burnham will understand all the complexities of what these overlapping loops look like through because of her vulcan education and she's the science officer and ash tyler was imprisoned in the klingon prison with Harry Mudd, so he understands his personality. We move through these loops, and what Lieutenant Stamets realizes he has to do is he has to essentially teach Michael Burnham how to engage in social interactions with Ash Tyler so that they can get the information they need. Right. Which includes one of the most charming dance scenes I've ever seen. It was. It really was. It was so charming. That's the only word I can think of. It's charming. It was like a... The big brother giving the little sister advice. It really was. And who would have thought six episodes ago that Lieutenant Stamets would be the big brother giving Michael Burnham advice? I didn't see that coming in this character. No. Well, I didn't see a lot coming in this character. (laughs) Although, like I said, I didn't like him at the beginning at all. This episode has a lot of humorous elements, despite the fact that, you know, every few moments the ship is blowing up and everyone is dying. There's a lot of funny here. Harry Mudd is funny. There's a montage where he recalls all the 53 ways that he's shot or killed (laughs) Captain Lorca, (laughs) which is grim and yet funny. But it was funny, yeah. He uses as the pretext for He's doing this because the war has torn him apart from his beloved Stella. That's what he's telling well, people. All I can think of every time he says that is the original series episode when he had all the clones. Yeah, that one was called I Mud. And at the end... Oh. Hardcore, hardcore yeah. Fenton Mug, have you been I drinking can... again? <laughs> that is all I can think of every time he says Stella. Finally, they've got enough information... They know what they're dealing with here, and they're ready to confront Mud on the bridge after he has, I think he's executed? No, he sent Captain Lorca to the brig this time. Unfortunately, he has now discovered in Captain Lorca's Frankenstein lab a really scary-looking purple marble that essentially destroys people from the inside out. Right. And he uses that on Ash Tyler, who 
And let me tell you, yes. I looked, I rewound wound that and rewound that because I was really convinced I was supposed to see something and he was disintegrating. I was really convinced I was supposed to see something. Were you looking for like like the under uh, underlay of Klingon? Yes. Yeah. Some evidence of Klingon that she wasn't going to remember the, in the next loop. And that would have been excellent, wouldn't it? Yes. I was convinced. Rewound it I don't know how many times and I was, didn't see anything. And, but yes. were, were you a little disappointed when he was in the captain's Frankenstein lab that there was no shout out to the Tribble? Yes, and that's really interesting because I didn't even see the Tribble. I didn't either. So I wonder, yeah, I don't, maybe he's, ooh, what if he's moved the Tribble to his quarters? Oh, that could be, yeah. Because he's afraid of being attacked in his quarters. I mean, that's where he's carrying the weapons. Right, right. And if he understands the Tribbles react to the Klingons. right. Ash Tyler is killed, Michael Burnham is devastated because in this particular loop, they had the moment when she finally figures out how to get his attention, mm-hmm. how to interact with him, they dance, and then he kisses her. Right. Did you see his expression at the end of the kiss? Did, and I know that you think it's disgust. I don't, it's, it's something. I'm not positive it's disgust, though. And I, and I agree with you, because I watched it multiple times, and... It's almost like regret, that he feels bad he's doing this. Perhaps. It could be regret. There is something there. There and, was definitely something, but it, I don't think it was disgust. Okay, because I wasn't, I, I, I watched it and watched it and watched it, and I even quizzed my husband, said, do you see it? And he said, well, there's something, <laughs> but I'm not sure I agree with you. <laughs> And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why it's important to have your theories vetted by third parties so that you don't have any bias in your conclusions. <laughs> so um, so she's devastated, and she's like, we have to do something, and we have to do, get him to reset the time loop again. Otherwise, everyone who's dead stays dead. Right. And by this point, he has everything he needs. Lieutenant Stamets has come forward and said, I'm what you need for the spore drive. Harry Mudd understands that the spore drive is what is so unique about this ship. And so Michael Burnham reveals to Harry Mudd that she is who she is and that she's the one who killed Takuvma. Mm-hmm. And being the very greedy man that he is and recognizing that she has value in addition to the ship. More value, probably, yeah. Possibly more value. Resets the time loop again. And it's in this loop that they're actually able to outwit him. And I'm not sure how they did it so fast since they only had 30 minutes. I think they've been through it enough where to give Stannis the information he needed to give back to her the next time. Stannis must have really just hauled tail getting all that Uh taken care of as fast as he possibly can. And so they're able to fool Harry Mudd into believing he's won. He's got the ship. He's going to get Stannis. He's going to get the ship. He's going to get Michael Burnham. And it's all going to work. He's got a... Klingon ship on the way to collect the prize Mm -hmm. and he's going to take them to the transporter room and make the exchange and walk away a wealthy man. Well, what he doesn't realize is that they have utilized secondary systems that he did not take control of to fool him and call Stella to come and collect her would-be husband. He is defeated and he is left leaving with Stella and her very rich father who will clearly skin him alive in the most literal sense if he does anything to hurt his daughter. And that's the end of the episode, except for the very touching moment in the turbo lift when Tyler says to Michael Burnham, I'm sad that we missed our first kiss. Yeah, that was, um, I think, well, she must have known that to her, but she was 
I think it looked like she was hoping he didn't know that. Well, she certainly was uncomfortable with the idea because yeah. she didn't know yeah. how to feel about it. And 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 here's there are about a couple of things that I definitely want to talk about. And the first is is that you know again we we suspect Tyler is Vok, which means that he's pulling the same behavior as Captain Lorca did. He's using romance and relationship as a distraction from his real purpose. Yeah. He's getting close to the person on the on the crew that Captain Lorca identified as someone of value. And does he know that she's the one that killed Takuvma? She he has to for him to because in the last jump, the last time loop, she offered himself. Yeah, but Tyler was dead when she did that. Right, but she, he had to know about it in the next jump because it wouldn't make any sense to him. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, so now he knows that she's the one that killed his mentor. Imagine he knew that all along, though. If, yeah. if he is, in fact, fuck. But it's it. It makes me sad because if Tyler and the captain are, as we suspect, two people that aren't to be, then two out of the three people that she trusts, she's grown to trust, are going to betray her. It's really an ugly premise, isn't it? It is, yeah. Let's hope we're wrong. Feeling pretty convinced about Vok. And apparently there's fan theories that go along with this, too. Now, my reason for believing this was because of the relationship with Laurel. Other people, right. apparently, the actor who played Vok, or I was identified as playing Vok, doesn't have any history in acting except for this role. He's got no online presence. This, the actor who was identified as playing Vok, except for his role playing Vok, and his only online presence is pictures of him playing Vok. Really? Yeah. Nothing else. That's pretty good. No, I didn't, I didn't know that. So we're going to assume if he's Vok, he knows she killed Takuvma. He knows that she was a mutineer. He knows that she's key to, you know, winning the war and was key in starting the war. Though, in all honesty, she didn't really start the war because they were planning the war anyway. Maybe if he is Vox, someday he'll tell her it's not your fault. We were going to do it anyway. Maybe. Interesting that Stamets noticed that he, how tall he was. <laughs> and said how wonderfully well-grounded he was for having been tortured for seven months. As that. So I guess they're trying to tell us something, too. A couple of other things that I had thought about is I found the character of Stella knowing the history in the future that she becomes this shrew, or at least Harry thinks she becomes a shrew. Very sad. Yeah. She had a couple moments, like when she grabbed his coat and said, try to explain. You know, she had a couple moments where that part of her personality showed. She was mad. She was angry. She wasn't just, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take in everything you say and believe you. And yet there's still such painful naivete there. Right. And I think we, you know, need to point out that we've got now two theoretically strong female characters who have displayed painful naivete when it comes to issues of the heart. Yes. And that's not feeling so realistic. Not at all. But one thing, though, I really wanted to talk to you about, though, was Harry Mudd beams off the ship at the end of that last loop, knowing that the Discovery has a spore drive. Right. Knowing that Lieutenant Stamets is the key to running it. Knowing that Michael Burnham, killer of Takuvma, is on board that ship. And potentially knowing that Vok is there too. Right. Yeah, I was I was wondering. I was kind of on the fence about whether or not he really knew who that was, and if he had known all along. There were a couple of exchanges of looks that made it. Yeah, that made it look like he does. And information is valuable too. Information is sellable. 
And he just left. They let him go with a whole lot of information. Right. Mind-boggling amount of information. They should have imprisoned him and left him there because he will sell to the highest bidder. And their situation has become even more dicey because of that. It was just a very strange decision. And I just think they're kind of tied to is because he's there. Although I, I suppose they could have come up with something. Yeah, locking him away for years and then, then he could still show up. In the original series. Exactly. So I'm... I, I, I mean, wonder I, why they even let him on the ships. Well, I think we, we're guaranteed now to see this come back and bite them later. Yeah, absolutely. And that was pretty much the story. It was a good story, and I really enjoyed it. Did you like it? I did. I, like I said, I'm not a fan of the time loop shows, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same scene over and over and over again like I see in so many other shows. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought it was incredibly well done. Very clever. Very interesting. There was one thing, a couple things. I believe it was the first time Michael went down to wherever they had the... The space whale. First first time she went down, and when Harry Mudd came out the first time, when he came out of the whale, he killed everybody in the place. Yes. The The only person the captain asked about, Michael Burnham's status. Yes. I found it funny that when um, the captain wanted to give her a rank make her a member of the crew, she didn't have any reservations in accepting it. Whereas in a couple episodes back, she was full of guilt and she wanted to go to prison and serve her sentence and she deserved to be punished. She didn't, re- she didn't hesitate for a second. On the heels of the revelation that she had just received from Sarek, I think, and you're the one who really pegged it and the last time we talked about this one, when we talked about uh, Lethe, that she essentially was shifting her father figures. I, I think, don't think she even realizes it. I don't think she even realizes it. And so I think that's why the shift came so immediately, because she needed to fill that hole mm-hmm. that Sarah had just created in her. And Captain right. Marka said, here I am. And she was like, cool, done. Yep. But it also does also goes back to that the issue that you pointed out also from Lethe when Tilly mentioned that Captain Lorca has practically adopted Michael Burnham. His asking about her in that scene reinforces that point that you raised, and, yeah. not, and not asking about anyone else. No, and there were he he killed I think everybody in the room. Yeah, yeah. Which it was nice to see in later iterations of the loop that he stopped doing that. Because the first time around, it was quite, you know, Ugh, stop, stop killing people. So at least this time, it was just killing Lorca, which you can understand because he was kind of mad at him or recognized him as a significant enemy and knew he had to take him out. True. I liked this episode a lot. It had, you know, the, the character development was fantastic. We got to see sides of Stamets, which are, again, delightful, charming. Yeah. You, know, you had mentioned that after the kiss, if Tyler is actually Vok, you're going to be heartbroken. Yes. I'm going, yes, I am. <laughs> Trust me. I am. Yeah, uh, and, and it's because after seven episodes, we have come to care about these people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's well done on the part of Star Trek. Yeah. We, we went in a little a little skeptical, and now we're, we're invested. Yes. <laughs> so next time, the next episode we're going to be seeing is the uh, one that's entitled Civis Pacem Parabellum, which means... To achieve peace, you need to prepare for war. The next episode looks like an away mission. Yes, it does. And somebody's lost because Captain Lorca references in the trailer, you know, we'll grieve later. Oh, okay. Yes, I did see that. 
and we see the trailer includes what looks like peril to Saru mm-hmm. and peril to Admiral Cornwell. Yes. Hoping that Lorca and Tyler are not terrible secret, secret double agents. I know. <laughs> Trying not to think to myself, if Tyler kisses Burnham again, oh my god, he ate Captain Giorgio. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, ew, ew. I know that was disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find me at autismmom.com. That's autism-mom.com. You can find me at takingstep.com. And we hope that you will join us for the next episode of Moms Going Boldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is entitled Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. It is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. And please follow Ross Bugden on Twitter, at Ross Bugden.